Well, good morning. It's good to see you. It's an honor to be here. Um, like Joe was saying, um, I spent a lot of days, a lot of Sundays right here in these seats. And I'm just, I never thought I would be a pastor of a campus church at Iowa State. Uh, I'm a little blown away by it, to be honest with you. Um, but let me explain to you a little bit about what's going on. What you saw in that video were pictures of all of the dorms there on campus. There are 28 major dorms. And in these dorms house thousands of students who come from all over Ohio and all over the world. Um, and they are just, there's so many lost people in these dorms. So what we do is basically as we reach people to Ohio State and raise them up to become missionaries, as they become connected to Christ, they, we build them to be missionaries to go out and reach people in these dorms and, and all over the world. Um, for example, this past year we had 10 teams of Bible study leaders who went into the dorms. Next year we'll have 15 and our goal is to have 28, and then multiply them within the dorms. And as these leaders find Christ, and as they become amazed by Jesus, they tend to go out all over the world. In fact, this past summer, we had over 20 students go out to six different nations. So it's pretty amazing to watch, just in my shoes. Um, I'm also, one of our long-term visions of New Life OSU are to raise up leaders that are going to go and plant on campuses around the nation. Um, we have several in the pipeline we're working on right now, but our goal is we believe we can do this once every year, and there'll be a day for that. And I want to tell you guys that you may not realize it, but you guys have been supporting us since 2003 in so many ways. Financially, there are individuals in this church who support financially along with your church. The, uh, you know, the, the leadership of New Life Gehanna has been supporting us emotionally and spiritually with a lot of guidance and mentorship. There's so many other ways, but I just want to say on behalf of everyone from New Life OSU, thank you. You're a true parent. Um, you're part of everything that happens down there, and I just want to say thank you. Really appreciate it. Also, I just want to invite you that if you are here today, and maybe you're, if you're a high school student and you are thinking about going to college, or maybe you're a senior and you're going to Ohio State, if, if you're here and you're a parent of someone at Ohio State, or you maybe know some students down there, please come up after the service and I'm basically going to have about 15 of our leaders that are going to be up here. Uh, come up and meet them. Talk to them. We'd love to hear your story and love to hear um, about your, the students that you know that are going to be there. So let me ask you to do that after the service. Um, again, my name is Ed Travers. I'm 39 years old. Kind of freaks me out to say. Um, I, uh, I'm married. My wife Tammy's here. Um, we've been married for 12 years. We have two little girls. My oldest is about four and a half, and her name is Abigail, and our youngest is two and a half. Her name is Carly, and so I've learned a lot about parenting since I left New Life in 2003. Um, some of the things about me, I, uh, I, I was thinking about this particular story when I was preparing the message because it, it just hit me this way, and I, I've been driving for about 20 years, and over those 20 years, I've, I've had several cars, and now I drive a minivan or a Taurus, and so honestly, they're not my favorite cars. Um, no offense to you, many van drivers, but my favorite car was a 1991 Honda Prelude. It was sleek. It had a sunroof. It was a five-speed. It was fast. I'm not a car guy, so I don't know how many valves were in it, but there were a lot. I mean, this thing zipped. So you could, I would be on the freeway behind someone, doing speed limit, of course. So if you wanted to get around, you just barely punch it, and you're around like in a second. I would be driving on two-lane roads, man, just flying, just it was an awesome car, great on gas mileage. I had that car for 200,000 miles. But my wife almost made me sell it prematurely. 
You see, one summer, we were in the car, and she looks over at me, and she goes, Ed, your car is gamey. You smell like boy funk in here. I'm like, what? I didn't notice. So a couple days later, I kind of noticed, I think my car stinks. It really does. So I did what you guys would probably do. I took the mats out thinking, you know, I'm probably tracking something on these mats. And I cleaned the mats, I shampooed them, I let them sun dry for a day, put them back in the car. And like for a day, I mean, it was pretty good. But a couple days later in that heat, it got to the point where, man, I couldn't drive the car unless the windows were down and the sunroof was open. And I kept thinking, well, something has to cause this. It doesn't just happen. So I thought maybe, I've heard of this, that animals will crawl up in an engine and maybe die in there. And so I thought, maybe an animal's in my car. So I opened the hood and not knowing anything about cars, I went, you know, is there, I didn't see any fur or anything, so that's not it. Um, I, so I'm, I clean everything out. I just sweep everything. I clean out everything. And I'm thinking, it's got to be coming from somewhere. I mean, I don't want to sell this car if I could. So it occurred to me, the only place I hadn't checked was there was a little, like, little floorboard in the trunk that you lift up, and underneath that, there's a donut that goes on when you need a spare tire. And so I thought, well, I'll check that. So I lift it up, and as soon as I lift it up, oh, man, whatever it is is down there. But I couldn't see it, so I had to, I had to undo the tire and lift up the tire, and there it was, the source. Oh, boy. I, I don't know how long, maybe six months. I had transported some dog food in the back of the car, and the bag accidentally ripped open. It's dry dog food. You know, I thought I got it all. Listen, it was rotting down there. It was so nasty. So I cleaned it up, and I get it out of there, and, you know, my car was fine after that. And I was thinking about that story about how powerful scent is, because in the passage, what we're going to read in 2 Corinthians, Christ says that we're supposed to be the fragrance of the knowledge of him. We're supposed to be the aroma of Christ, a powerful scent that demands a reaction, a life that's lived out loud, if you will. And so if you don't get anything else out of the sermon, hear this. Be careful with the dog food in your car. <laughs> Just for me to you, free of charge, don't do that. Well, Listen, I sat in many, many services just like this, and on many weeks I would hear sermons, and i think, that was a good sermon, I needed to know that. But my life, the position I'm in, is really the summation of weeks just like this where I sat here and God actually spoke to me, challenged me, and I had to respond to him. And so what we're going to do before we look into this word, let's just pray together and ask God to speak to you, to go beyond what I'm saying and intersect your life. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this chance to get to worship you together as a big family. Thank you, Lord, for the words we've already sung. Thank you, Lord, for being the God who's already showing up and talking to us. And God, I pray that that would continue. You would go beyond anything I'm going to say, Lord, and that you would intersect people's lives and talk to them where they are at. And God, we pray that we would hear your voice and we respond. In your name, amen. Well, this passage in uh, Corinthians, it's in a in chapter of second corinthians chapter two if you have your bulletin you can pull it out you can take notes but let me give you a little bit of background um the letter of first corinthians was written by the apostle paul and paul had founded this church you can read about that in acts chapter 18 but he had written this letter and if you just read a couple verses in first corinthians you're not going to understand the tone but if you read it all the way across like just sit down for a day and just read through it this is what you're going to find the letter had kind of a harsh tone to it it was a very corrective letter, almost like a dad who was correcting his children. And so what happened was, Paul was very concerned about the church and how it was going to be received. And that's where we pick up here in verse 12 
of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Here's what it says. Paul speaking. Now, when I went to trials to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened the door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. What, what happened was one of the guys who traveled with Paul was a fellow named Titus. And Paul had sent Titus on to Corinth to find out how they had received the letter. Did they receive it well? Are they still following Christ? Paul, even though it was a very harsh-toned letter, he had genuine love for them. He cared about them. And so he was anxious to hear how they responded. So when he didn't see Titus in Macedonia, he went on to try to find him. And you can read about in chapter 7, verse 5 and 6, it literally says he caught up with Titus, and Titus gave him a great report. The church had responded well, they repented, and they literally were doing everything they could to follow God. And here's where it picks up the next verse. And here's the first thing I want to say to you guys, is that we must be followers of God. Here's what it says. Verse 14 says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Now let me give you a picture as to what he's saying. Paul is writing about a picture of a Roman general. So imagine a Roman general would go off on a campaign, would fight a battle. Then after they would conquer the enemy, they would grab, you know, treasure. They would grab animals. They would grab two groups of people and they would lead them into Rome. And so the general would come in with a horn sounding and, you know, like this huge parade. And it was a big to do of, of what was going on there. And they would, he would lead this people in. And there would be two groups of people. One group would be a group of people that he was actually going to free and be citizens in Rome. And then another group of people were people he was going to execute. And so they would bring this parade in. Now you're thinking, well, what's that have to do with me? Well, Paul's given the picture because it's Christ who's our general. Christ is the one who's victorious, and he's the one leading us. And I say that to you because, sadly, most Christians do not allow Christ to lead their lives. When you meet Christ, and I assume everyone in this room knows the cross, you understand what he has done for you. You understand you were separated by your sin. You understand that it was the cross that paid the penalty for your sin so that you could be reconciled to God. You could be made righteous with God. Righteous is a big word, but it basically means imagine you're in a relationship that's separate because of a problem. Well, you've been reconciled, put back together. Now you're in right standing. That's what Christ did. In fact, if you, if you flip over to chapter 5, let me read one verse to you. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 15 says this. Talking about Christ, he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And so what he's trying to say here is that you don't belong to yourself. When you've been reconciled to the Father, you offer your life to Christ. He's now your leader. And to call yourself Christian, it doesn't mean it's a creed that you follow or a set of beliefs or a set of morality or even that you show up to church on Sunday. To be a Christian is to be like Christ, to be a Christ follower. And guys, I, I understand what that's like to miss the boat on this. I have spent years in my life where I had my ambitions, my dreams, my goals, the things I'm involved in. And somehow I expected that God was just going to bless and honor my life. 
But that's just not the way it works. God has his mission, his goals, his ambitions, and he's inviting us into that. And it seems slight, but it's slight enough to go in two different directions. And let me just give you an illustration to help you with this. When I was a teenager, I was learning to drive. And my parents had a Chevette, a family Chevette. Did anyone here have a Chevette? (laughs) Yes. Let me explain to you guys, young people in the room who don't know what a Chevette is. Chevette is a kind of car where if the tire blows, it doesn't bother you because you can just pick up the car and take it with you. I mean, it's tiny. But listen, we, we were in this family Chevette. I was a teenager, and my parents were trying to give me experience driving on the highway and some back roads. I was way up in Morrow County, and we were going to see my grandparents. And so we're on this two-lane road. I'm driving about 50, and there's a turn coming up. And my dad's in the front seat, and my dad is the high-stress guy, and my mom's in the back seat, and she's the real even-keel one. So we're in the car. And my mom says, you need to turn up here to the left. And my dad says, no, you don't. It's up here. And my mom says, no, 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 Gil, it's, it's right here. It's right over here. And my dad says, no, 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 it's up here. And now they're, it's getting closer and time's coming up and they're arguing. No, no, it's here. It's not here. It's over here. And at the last second, I just kind of make a turn and I put the Chevette in the ditch. <laughs> like, and my dad was getting ready to scream, I think. And my mom said, no, 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 we're the, we're the problem. And I went, yes, mom. <laughs> so... But this is the thing. I've ditched my life on several occasions. Going my direction. How about you? Dare I say this, if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, man, I just don't feel connected to God right now. I don't feel like my prayers are getting through. I don't feel connected. I don't feel like what's going on. It's possible that this is your issue, that you've hijacked your life, you, you're living it, and, and you're just inviting God into your life. Guys, it's never going to work like that. The second thing I want to say, um, not only do we need to live our lives led by God, but our lives are a fragrance. We're a fragrance. And there's five senses, right? Let's see if I can remember them all. There's taste, touch, sight, Sound and smell, right? And I'm, I'm not a scientist, but I've heard that smell is most closely associated to memory. Now, I don't know how you figure something like that out, but uh, I, I do notice this, that um, Saturday it, it rained in the middle of the afternoon, and uh, I went outside, and the sun had came back out, and that smell, it comes after a storm, you know, especially when the sun comes back out. You know, and there's water glistening everywhere, and everything so, smells so fresh. And I always love that. And I was thinking about, why do I love this so much? And I remember, when I was a kid, I hated to be cooped up inside when it was raining. But I loved going out after my mom would say, all right, let's go out, go out now. It's, that smell just reminds me of that time. And in the same way, we're supposed to have that kind of impact on the people around us. Let's go to the verse for a second. Verse 14, we started with this part, it says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. That's the plan. I don't know why God chose that, but the plan is this. He chose you and I to show the world knowledge of Christ so that by the way we live, somehow the people around us are going to know something about Jesus. That's the plan. It goes on to say in verse 15, For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved 
and those who are perishing. Our lives are supposed to be lived in such a way that somehow people are going to know something about Jesus just by the way we live. In fact, there's a scent about us. We are the aroma of Christ. Now, I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not talking about, you know, running off with the mouth. I'm talking about living a life where people just get where we're at. And, and listen, we all know what this is like. And you can't sell something that stinks. My, my wife, um, like I said, we've been married 12 years. She has a favorite perfume, sold exclusively at Victoria's Secret. And uh, I'm going to tell you the secret because I actually know what it is, by the way. Uh, so just keep this in this room. I know Victoria's Secret. Here's the deal. Uh, it's all expensive. All of it. It just is. But I go in there and there's this perfume. It's like a little tiny bottle. It's like 50 bucks. You know? And I, I smell it. I'm like, ah, it's awesome. It's incredible smell. But here's the thing. Would you pay 50 bucks for perfume if it didn't smell nice? Honestly? I mean, you could package it real nice. You could market it real nice. But if it doesn't smell good, you ain't going to buy it. I'll give you one other illustration. This is something I learned in parenting. If you, uh, if you have kids and you've raised them through diapers, you're going to know what I'm talking about here. But if you don't, let me help you with something. If you're thinking about having kids and someone buys you a diaper genie, you know what that is? It's like a little portable thing that you put your diapers in and you keep them in your house. Listen, don't keep it. Take it back. Get your money. Don't keep diapers in your house. Trust me. All right? Now, my oldest is done and through. Praise God. But my second one, we're still battling, you know? And so sometimes you'll be around the house and you'll notice something. And I don't care what technology. Everything's increasing technology. But the same old technology works for diapers. It's, you know, you just kind of, yeah, something happened here. So you're sitting in the living room and something's going on. And you're like, all right, give her some time. Because you want to get there too soon, you know? You want to give it time. So you kinda, you're patient. You let it happen. And my second daughter, not with my first, but my second daughter, every time I've gone to change a diaper, she kicks her feet and screams at me. Every time. So, I mean, it's a pain, and, you know, you're trying, you're working it through. And anyway, you get that done, and here's the deal. We bag ours up right now, and our dumpster's only like 15 yards from the house. So we just take it directly outside, and I'm just, usually, I just grab it, take it out there, and you throw it in the dumpster. And as you're walking back, you're like, ah, it smells nice out here. And you don't notice it when you're inside, but when you open the door, oh, my gosh, it's like a giant toilet in here. <laughs> like, what happened? If you came over to my house right after that, you would think, what is the matter with you, Ed? I'm like... But why didn't I notice it before? Why didn't I notice it? And you know what I think it is? When we're living in that way, we don't realize how bad we stink. I had a friend who, a great young leader, we were at like a retreat, and he said one time, um, here's what we're going to do. It was all a bunch of guys. He goes, here's what we're going to do. The girls are all upstairs, so we're going to be just guys down here. And he took out a bunch of blank name cards. And so we're going to stick them on our chest. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to write all of the sins we do in private on that so we can walk around with them. And he handed us the cards. I'm like, oh, dude, you're not doing that. Yes, Well, we didn't do it. But he made a point. And, and the point is this. That, listen, the things that are going on behind closed doors affect what's going on out here. And guys, I know a lot of people who can quote a lot of verses and have a lot of great morals. But you know what? People know what you're about. The people who see you day in and day out, they know what you're about. They can tell. You can't sell them anything other than who you are. 
And guys, our lives are supposed to be lived in such a way where we're having an impact. And that, that really brings me to my third point here that I want to share, is, and this is quickly, is that our lives demand a reaction. That's the way it's supposed to be. Look back at 15. It says, For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one, the smell of death, and to the other, the fragrance of life. Who is equal to such a task? And let, let's go back to the picture of that general and the triumphant procession. This is the thing. That first group of people, the people he was going to set free, they would burn incense, and that incense would rise. And the people who were going to be executed, they would have incense too. They say that it's, at times the incense smoke would go so high that you actually couldn't see the procession. And I say that to say that there are two ways people are going to respond to you. Those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And if your life is lived and you're not having any conflict, if everything is peaceful, there is a problem. And again, I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm talking about living your life in such a way where people just don't get you. And sometimes those people look at you and say, what is this Jesus? What are you talking about? And they give you opportunities to share for the hope that you have within you. And some of those people are going to respond. But there are going to be some people who are going to look at you and go, what is the matter with you? And don't start with that Jesus stuff. But if people aren't saying that to you, there might be a problem. Guys, people should be reacting to the way we live. I, I understand what it's like to live my life in such a way where I'm having no impact. I, I was thinking when I was putting this message together about a relationship I had in my late teens, the first love of my life. And I, and I was in this relationship for almost four years. And you know what? We were in almost daily interaction. It ended in such a way that left just an imprint on my life. It what did not end well. In fact, I felt very victimized and humiliated by it. And I remember being very angry about it. But as I started to really fall in love with Jesus and understand Jesus, I was confronted with this fact. Four years of my life, and this person did not know Jesus. Four years. Because I don't want you to spend four hours with me and not know something of Jesus. Something. And it's not within my control. I know that. But I'm dedicated to following Christ. And here's the deal. Listen, my wife works at Starbucks. You know, she'll get up early in the morning and she'll go work and she'll come back. And you know what? Every time she comes back, she smells like coffee. You know? Every time. And sometimes I smell like oh, coffee. She's like, I'm sorry, I smell like coffee. I'm like, no, you smell good, it's coffee. But my wife is not made of coffee beans. I'm here to tell you that. Listen, the reason she smells like coffee is because she's around the source. She's around the source. And when she's around the source, it affects what's around her. And listen, don't you get it now? You're not going to come away from this sermon and go, all right, I'm going to do, I'm fired up this week. I'm going to go out and I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to tell some people and I'm going to, I'm going to be like Jesus. Listen, that's only going to last you so long. It's the source. It's Jesus. The Bible says in Colossians that let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, like a home. It's God in you. When you dedicate yourself saying, God, okay, I will follow you, and I will run after you to follow you, 
He will do the rest for you. Because when you're around the source, it's going to permeate your culture. That's the thing. I think that if anything else I'd like to say, it would be this, is that we need to act with urgency on this. Listen, if you don't, you'll go five years and think, man, I, I need to start living it out. I have a reminder right here on my arm, about an inch and a half long, it's a scar. And I got this, I was in my first year of marriage about 12 years ago, and we lived in this apartment that was kind of like a row of four. And we lived on one end, and down at the other end was this guy named Ted who lived there. And Ted is from out back. You know what I mean? And so when you pull up, it didn't matter if it was two degrees outside or if it was 85 degrees. It didn't matter. He was going to talk to you. So I'd pull up and I I could be in a hurry. It wouldn't matter. He'd say, hey, Ed, how's it going? And you're like, hey, Ted, what's going on? And we'd talk about hunting, cars, stuff I don't know anything about, you know, whatever. And one night, Tammy was in the living room and she, was, she had bought some clothes and she's changing in the living room trying on all these clothes and I'm just sitting there and the door rings the back door and I go up to the back door so I don't want to open it all the way because Tammy's in and I'm like, hey, Ted. He's like, hey, Ed. I'm like, what's going on, Ted? What can I do for you? He goes, yeah, I was wondering if you could help me. I'm like, sure, what do you need? He goes, I'm going to move a refrigerator and wonder if you could help me. I'm like, seriously? All right. I'm thinking, this is your plan too. I mean, you want me to move a fridge, huh? I'm hoping we're just scooting a fridge, you know, in the kitchen or something like that. So we, we go over there, and we go right past the kitchen down to the basement. I'm thinking, oh, this doesn't look good at all. And so <laughs> we go down these creakety wooden stairs down the bottom. He goes, yeah, we're going to take this refrigerator upstairs. You want the top or the bottom? I'm like, all right, I'm thinking the bottom. Like, because I don't want to be the guy at the top who's, like, leaning like this. You know what I mean? With your back. I don't, I'm thinking that there's no way that's going to happen. If the bottom, at least I could have leverage, right? And so we go to lift it up, and I'm like, wow. I'm lifting a refrigerator. I never thought this could happen. This is cool, you know? And so we start going up the stairs, and he's leaning, and I'm kind of pushing, and we get to the top, and he goes, hey, man, I don't think we can get it through the door. There's stuff in the way. And I'm like, it's awesome. So we set it down, and sure enough, it's resting on the steps. It's not moving. And so we kind of set it there, and I'm like, yeah, I think it's good. And so Ted goes to turn around and go into the kitchen to do whatever he's going to do, and just then, boom, that thing slides. And it comes down and, bam, hits me right in the chest. I mean, it hit me hard, enough to, like, knock me back. And at this point, I got, like, two choices, you know. I can go backward and let this thing land on top of me. Or I could use my ninja reflexes that I own. (laughs) And I could jump out to the side real fast, you know, and let this thing hit. And so, with the help of God Almighty and my ninja reflexes, I flew out to the side. And this thing just crashed to the bottom. You know, and Ted comes running out. And I kind of look back. And, you know, I'm looking down. I'm thinking... And I look on the floor, and there's all this blood on the ground. I'm like, what? I look down, my arm is gaping wide open. And so, so on the bottom of the fridge, there was a metal ridge, and it must have cut me, you know, on the way down. And so I'm kind of freaked out. I'm not sure what to do. I've not been in that situation. So I'm just like, I grab it as tight as I can, and I'm thinking, I'll go run. And so I ran up out of the stairs, and I went into my house, and, you know, Tammy's like, what's going on? What's going on? And then, of course, Ted comes in right behind him. And so Tammy's changing clothes. That was awkward, you know. And so I go over, and I'm, I'm running water in the sink, and blood's gushing. Tammy goes and runs and gets a towel. She wraps it on my arm. We jump in the car as fast as we can. And my wife, like NASCAR speed, like flies through a stop sign, flies through a red light, and takes me right to St. Anne's. I mean, immediately. And so, you know, we get, we get there, and they do all the stitching and all that kind of stuff. But this is what I'm trying to tell you. I am so glad my wife didn't say, Ed, you know, I want to pray about helping you. I'm going to pray about that. 
I'm so glad she didn't say, you know what, I'm kind of busy, got my stuff going on here. I'm, you know, I'm changing clothes. Or I'm so glad that she didn't say, Ed, I want to get my life together before I start helping people. No, I mean, out of love and concern and a showing of the urgency, she didn't want me to bleed to death. So she got me in the car and drove me to St. Anne's. And God reminds me of that story because I, I think what I need to see and what we need to see is that if we saw the spiritual landscape of people around us, we would realize they're hemorrhaging from the inside out, spiritually, all over the place. Whether it's your family or whether it's at work, or for me, it's looking at students and neighbors. But if we see them the way God wants us to see them, we would realize there are people hemorrhaging to death spiritually. And listen, I sat in rooms like this on Sunday after Sunday, And like I said, some weeks I listened and I'm like, man, that was good teaching. And I learned from it. But there were weeks, man, God was hammering on me, talking to me. And I knew I had to deal with him and respond. And I'm going to ask you, what about you? I imagine most of you in this room are probably already reconciled to God. You understood the cross. You've made that decision to follow Christ. And for some of you, maybe, you know, There's nothing that's really happened. You're like, okay, that's a great reminder. But for some of you, I'm going to guess that maybe something's getting in the way and you're not having an impact. And maybe you know what that something is and you know that God knows what that something is and maybe you need to deal with that today. When I talked about that hemorrhaging of the soul, my guess is there's some people in this room who would say, yeah, that's me right now. I'm disconnected from God and I'm just hemorrhaging. Listen, for you, here's the deal. You've heard the story about Christ, but it's your sin that separates you from God. And Christ paid the penalty to reconcile you to God. So when you realize, you say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I recognize that I'm the one who's wrong here. And you ask for forgiveness. And you say, God, I believe In your son, I believe that he died on the cross. I believe he rose the dead. I believe he's offering me life now. And you want to give him your life. That's the starting process and where God's going to heal you from the inside out. That's what it takes. And for you, if you're in this room today, I just want to invite you to respond to that. To respond, to make a decision to say yes to God and let him start his work from the inside out on you. This is what we're going to do just to respond. We're going to stand together and we're going to pray. And as we stand, go ahead and stand. Um, I'm just going to ask you a few questions and we're going to pray and the band's going to come back up and lead us in worship. But I'm going to ask you just a couple questions. And if that's you, if you're in this room and you know you've been reconciled to God and you know you don't, you don't feel like God is hammering you with something specific, I want you to bow your head and pray for the people around you. Would you do that? But if you're in that group of people that you consider yourself a Christ follower and something's going on, I just want you to close your eyes and say, God, I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to turn towards you. I want you to pray and respond to God. Talk to him. Maybe it's a slight turn. You've just slightly gone off course. And maybe it's time to say, God, I want to hear your voice and follow you. And offer yourself to him. That's what he wants.
And so just close your eyes and start talking to him about that. And if you're in this room and you've never been reconciled to God, let me just address you for a second. If you want to, if you're ready for this, God wants to save you. Wants to start healing you from the inside out. And it goes like this. You need to talk to God and say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. And my sin is separated. And ask for forgiveness. He wants to forgive you. And just start talking to him about that. Say, God, please. Whatever words you have, just start talking to him right now. Say, God, please forgive me. Tell him, I believe in your son. I believe that he's your son. He died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And the Bible says anyone who calls in the name of the Lord is saved. And just call on him. Say, God, I want to give you my life. Ask him. God, I don't know how much I can offer, but I'll give you everything I have of me and offer your life to him. In whatever words you prayed that, you need to understand that God wants just to wrap you up in himself. Let me pray for us too. God, I, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the picture here in 2 Corinthians. But God, we want to live our lives out loud. We want to have an impact for your namesake. I ask God that you would help us shift our direction where it needs to be shifted. Help us to keep our eyes on you and listen for your voice. Help us to live a life in such a way that we're so connected to you that it permeates our culture. Lord, give us wisdom and discernment to not be obnoxious, but with love to be able to share you with people. Help us make those decisions that are sometimes have to be made, God. And God, for those in this room who want to give their lives to you, I pray that you would wrap them up with yourself. Lord, you promised to put your Holy Spirit in people when they, when they choose to believe. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would start to just heal them from the inside out. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your precious name, amen.